0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Boiler Upload Podcast. This is episode three, and as you can tell, we have creatively still named it the Boiler Upload Podcast because we've had a lot going on, especially with one of the best weekends of Purdue sports in quite a while. I am your host, Travis Miller of Boiler Upload, and with me live in Portland, Oregon, is Casey Bartley. How are you doing, Casey?
1: Barely alive
0: see this is what this is the thing folks Casey says he's not feeling well he is in Portland though he gave us great coverage all weekend it's
1: six o'clock here and it's been dark for an hour and a half (laughs) like they keep telling me that like it's west coast time you're three hours behind it's dark by four o'clock it's tripping my mind up
0: well I think we can I think we can blame the British
1: do I not know how the sun works
0: (laughs) Well, it on Isn't it supposed North to last
1: longer in the West?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it comes this way, so we should be able to see it for longer? Not well, 4.30? <laughs> oh,
0: man. And uh, also with us tonight is Jace Jellison, who was in Bloomington with me yesterday and covered our Big Ten West champion Purdue Boilermakers football team. And I really don't care
2: that it came against a crap division, it's a division championship, right, Jace? Yeah, you got to take them as it is. I haven't done this in program history, so I can't be picky with with, uh, the year that you do it.
0: Not at all. Not at all. And we have a shot. I mean, they are legally obligated to send us to Pasadena if we somehow beat Michigan on Saturday night, so... They're keeping score, they're gonna have the rest there. There's gonna be a lot of fans. Why might as well try to win the damn thing?
2: Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, this goes without saying, but Michigan's gonna be by far the toughest test I think that Coach Brahms ever faced at Purdue. It's better than the Ohio better than the Ohio State team they played last year. Um, I mean this team has very little I mean, you could make the argument that they don't have any flaws, honestly.
0: How, how do you think that they're different from the Ohio State team that Braun beat in 2018? Because obviously that was a very, very
2: good Ohio State team as well. Yeah, I just think their Michigan's defense this year. I mean, they're second or they are third in the entire country in points allowed per game with 12.7, uh, second in the Big Ten. I mean, their defense is – Far and away the best Brahms ever gonna face, probably. Mm-hmm.
0: And the thing is is Purdue has faced some tough defenses this year, too. I mean, Illinois was ranked very, very highly. Iowa was ranked highly. At the time we played them, Minnesota was ranked highly. And one of the things that encourages me just a tiny little bit is Purdue did beat the two teams that played Michigan the toughest. They only beat Maryland by seven. And Purdue won at Maryland. They only beat Illinois by two. And Purdue won at Illinois. And they were very lucky to beat Illinois. There was a very fortuitous call in their favor with Illinois leading late. So, I'm not saying Purdue's going to win. It's going to be a tremendous challenge. But you always just want a chance.
2: That's all I ask. I will say that their best edge rusher only played 11 snaps against Ohio State, Mike Morris. Uh, He leads the team with seven sacks. So, if he's out again, and I don't think it really matters that Blake Corum might be out because Donovan Edwards showed last week that, or yet yesterday, yesterday now, excuse me, uh, that he can pick up the slack. But uh, the defense for Michigan is a little banged up with Mike Morris out, so um, it gives Purdue a a slightly.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at Edwards here, 216 yards rushing against Ohio State in the shoe, (laughs) and I. I think when I was looking at it, obviously we knew going into the Saturday game, we were going to get one of the two if we beat Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Michigan was just a slightly better matchup for us only because they are much more running based versus Ohio state had receivers that were going to be doing laps through our secondary. And they showed it last year when they beat us in Ohio, at Ohio state. Um, You know, Michigan's obviously still very, very, very good. And they love to just grind you into a fine paste. But Purdue has mostly held up well against the run this year. And, you know, it's still going to take a tremendous effort to win.
2: They have a lot. Purdue has allowed a lot of big plays in the running game, obviously in the passing game, too. Um, But, yeah, like you said, C.J. Stroud and those wide receivers are, are on a different planet than J.J. McCarthy and um, Ronnie Bell and, and Cornelius Johnson. Um, but, I mean, like you said, um, Donovan Edwards, <clears throat> 216 yards rushing. In the fourth quarter, he had touchdown rushes of 75 yards and 85 yards. Oof. Just, and he's their backup behind Blake Coram who's up a, a Heisman candidate. So that just shows you how good this Michigan rushing team is. Their offensive line and those two backs.
0: Yeah, they've got two thousand yards combined between them and twenty four touchdowns this year. They they may not need uh, they may not need to throw that much, honestly. (laughs) Um, They've got a couple decent receivers. I see Ronnie Bell six hundred eighty seven yards and two touchdowns. Cornelius Johnson four hundred and sixty and six touchdowns. But like you said they they've run for nearly three thousand yards as a team and. Ooh, that's uh, not inspiring me with a lot of confidence right now.
2: No, they also lead the Big Ten with 35 rushing touchdowns, too, on top of that, so.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, it's, it's just, I'm trying to think of the team that we've seen that is this good on the ground, and probably the closest is Illinois, and mm. I think if for Purdue to win they've got to be able to drag them into a game kind of like Illinois dragged them into the low scoring uh run first, not a lot of passing affairs. But one thing I think that will help Purdue at least slightly is Br- Brom can't blame the weather this week. We're playing indoors on turf.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I will. I will say that I think Michigan does play a lot like Illinois. Obviously Illinois has, Chase Brown, who's, who was another Heisman candidate before Illinois started slipping there at the end of the season. Um, but I think I think J.J. JJ McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback, is a lot better than Tommy DeVito at Illinois. Um, I think the thing that's most surprising and maybe most impressive is he, he only has two turnovers on the year at quarterback. And granted, they don't throw a whole lot. And um, I know – I know yesterday they they took a few shots, but that was mostly because guys were just wide open. Mm -hmm. Um, Cornelius Johnson had two touchdowns, a 69-yarder and a 70-yarder. But McCarthy has – I mean, he's been completing around 50% of his passes over the last four four or five games. So, I mean, he hasn't been super accurate. He's not going to slice and dice you like C.J. Stroud, but he takes care of the ball and – Michigan doesn't really turn it over. They've only, they only have six turnovers on the year. Uh, that's second in the NCAA to USC. Mm. Yeah, we're going we're to need some turnovers too. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be tricky. <laughs> One thing that's kind of surprising is they don't force a whole lot of turnovers. They're tied for 105th with 13. Um, the only two Big Ten teams below them are Michigan State and Northwestern. Which is kind of surprising for how good their defense is, but they're just stout.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you don't you don't really need to cause turnovers when you can force three and outs. Those are basically turnovers as it is. So, yeah, Aiden O'Connell's going to have to have similar to the the games against Iowa and Michigan State last year. He's going to have to have a special performance. Yeah, uh, if he wants to pretty wants to win. And.
0: You know, it. as we found out over the last 24 hours with the tragic passing of his brother, he's got a lot on his mind, and he still came out, had a solid game yesterday at Indiana. I mean, you were there, you were talking to Brom, you saw uh, kind of everything outside the locker room. What was the atmosphere? Uh, Was there like an atmosphere of relief after the game, obviously celebratory because they did – Win a division championship and the bucket and everything else. You know, just kind of what was your perspective there after the game with everybody?
2: Yeah, I'll touch on the the situation with Aiden first. So Bob Kravitz, credit to him, he actually saw Aiden crying on the sideline. So he mm-hmm. asked Brom about it. I've never seen Brom get emotional, and for him to be that emotional, I mean, it was a big deal. I don't, I don't. They haven't released like what happened and everything. Obviously, is is oldest brother passed away but um i don't know how soon it was prior to the game but for him to go out there and losing your brother is something i can't imagine and then going and have going and having a good game and trying to keep your focus on one of the biggest games in your college football career it's it's insane um Mm -hmm. yeah that that moment was was one where brahm was super vulnerable and emotional. Um, after that, some other people uh, we were asked in different questions. So uh, got his mind off of it. He, he wasn't really thinking about that. Um, obviously Aiden didn't talk to the media cause he was understandably still upset and uh, grieving in his own way. But uh, I mean, Braum, Brom seems super thrilled with, with everything that he's been through at Purdue with, um, taking over the program when they were 9-41 the previous four years under Daryl Hazel, uh, nineteen and twenty both down years to six and twelve over the span of those two years to these past two years winning seventeen games, being Big Ten West champs, going to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, it did feel like he was kind of relieved um, to finally reach this moment, and and that's something I I went back and looked at or listened to his introductory press conference today. And that was one of the first things he said was, I turned Western Kentucky into a championship football program, and I want to do the same at Purdue. And um, obviously he's accomplished that now.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, to me, it's a it's still a big step forward for this program. You can only play who's ahead of you. Obviously there were some stumbling blocks here, but eight and four. I mean, most Purdue fans would love to be eight and four every single year. You get that kind of consistency, it'd be great. And, you know, a couple of plays, honestly, from 10 and two. You know, you, you lose the Penn State game at the very end, you lose the Syracuse game at the very end. It's looking very much like we will be playing in a New Year's Day bowl because I think Michigan and Ohio State are both locked for uh, the New Year's Six Bowls. Penn state's got that next spot. They could sneak into one maybe because they're 10 and two and they're at least pretty solid. And you know, of the other teams in the big 10 that are bowl eligible Purdue's up there. I, I think we're going to be either in Orlando or in Tampa in one of those new year's day bowls and against an sec team, maybe a rematch with Tennessee. Uh, but obviously, you know, you got that small percentage chance. You might be in Pasadena and I, I could live with that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that would be absolute. I mean, obviously, I was only a few days. So I might not have even been been born yet uh, when that when that game happened. The last time Purdue went to Pasadena, uh, it was January
0: one two thousand one.
2: So then, no, I was five days from being born. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, but the way that Purdue fans and some of the former players and coaches talk about that game, you can tell it's really special and. If Purdue's able to get back, it would it would mean the world to the fan the fan base, uh, the athletic department, the players, the coaches, etc. But um, I mean, you don't want to assume they lose. If if they do lose to Michigan, we'll say that. Um, I think they're basically a lock to go to the Citrus Bowl over mm-hmm. the last over the last five, six, seven years. Uh, the team that loses the Big Ten championship has gone down there. Um, so Wisconsin, Northwestern. Iowa a couple times, um, and like you said, they'll most likely um, place someone in the in the middle middle tier of the SEC. So someone like a Tennessee, South Carolina, LSU. Um, there's one other that oh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, possibly. Um, but I think I think the Citrus Bowl is about a ninety percent chance right now.
0: Yeah, and. To, that's still great. I mean, if you win the bowl game, it's still another nine win season and we've not seen consecutive nine win seasons in almost 25 years. So I I'll take it. I am elated. You know, we do have something else to play for here. I was in Pasadena when we went in 2000 and like you said, uh, all the Purdue fans, it was a special moment. Just, just being there. I I know we lost the game uh, and never really were in control. I think we were tied into the second half, but I know we lost by 10, but just being there, it just, it felt like such an accomplishment for the program. And if they somehow got back, that would be, I think it would be just as special. And to fight through what this team has done to come back from, like you said, the 19 and 20 seasons, just, just great. And, you know, let's have some fun with it. I mean, I'm hoping that this week against Michigan, Brom just reaches into the playbook and let's just go to some of the utter nonsense plays and, you know, go down swinging. We have nothing, we have nothing to lose. We're a 16 point underdog. No one expects Purdue to win this game. You know, we are doubting that Purdue is going to win this game, but you never know. And that, that would be wonderful.
2: (laughs) Hey, like you said, you never know. The spoiler makers could make an appearance. Uh, We'll have to see what happens with the, College football playoff um, rankings that come out on Tuesday, but the last—I mean, I could—I could see Michigan hopping over Georgia for this week, uh, just because of their win over Ohio State. But I mean, maybe not. Uh, if they do, the the last number one team in the country that Purdue beat was in 1976, and they beat Michigan. There we go. But they can make it full circle and and do the impossible again. <laughs>
0: Well, we, we could leave that out there for now. I know I know we're going to be there. Um, I'm planning on being there. My I put in for John Purdue Club tickets for my wife and son. You're going to be there because uh, we're very likely going to get our credential approved this week. So we'll have a lot more about that this week. But it's time to shift gears to the other thing that has us all elated. Casey, you've waited very patiently. Uh, I am going to admit I'll have my Crow served medium well. I was wrong about this team.
1: This is the only reason I'm on the podcast.
0: (laughs) I I was wrong about this team. I was out on this team. They have sucked me back in. And to beat a couple of top 10 teams by double digits, another solid, solid win over a West Virginia team that's probably a tournament team. Oh, boy. (laughs) This, This is fun. This was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, turns out having one of the best players in the country um, and one of the best coaches and a roster that's 10 deep without any negative, any negatives on the roster. Um, if you want to get picky, Brian Waddell's not a great one-on-one defender, but he also had some moments this game where he was really good against his zone in the second half when Purdue was struggling. He's, you know, the odd man out. He played six minutes. I think Trey Kaufman ran only had nine minutes this game, but a tournament especially like this when you're playing three different teams in four days three different styles you really find out how versatile your team is and i think Purdue showed that first of all they can defend um oh yeah it it wasn't (laughs) just that they played um bad teams to start the year it wasn't just because they were at home with mackie they went on a neutral floor and absolutely dominated on defensive end for 120 minutes um we're talking the end of that Duke game Duke went over their last 13 won for their last 17 did not score for the last seven minutes and one second in a contested ball. Game. That's the number eight team in the country and Duke definitely that ranking is more uh, projective of what they probably will be towards the end of the year. They had um, three of the top five recruits in the nation on that team. And to be honest, besides Philip, Philipowski, uh, none of them had been particularly playing like that. But that just kind of shows, I mean, Purdue's young too. A lot of young guys, freshman guards, Fletcher Lawyer had his best game of the season, um, 18 points. The fact he got 14 shots off, uh, I think is an encouraging sign because he just went up against, uh, there's not going to be a more athletic or strong or big defense in the country, and he – look like someone that can get his shot off when he wants can make things happen on all three levels of the offense and we already we've seen what Braden Smith can do late so yeah it's just this much basketball in a tight window really shows both your weaknesses and your ability to adapt and pretty obviously knocked it out of the park in all those categories
0: absolutely and I think what stands out to me is the second halves of both of these games against Gonzaga and against Duke. Purdue was just, I mean, they were never really threatened. I think Gonzaga got the lead down to four at one point, very briefly. And today I think uh, Duke got it down to like six or seven at one point. And then like you said, six. yeah, they got it to six. And uh, then they scored one point in the last nine minutes and 17 seconds of the game
1: yeah purdue played the number eight and number six team in their best last two games, and they led by more minutes and double digits than they did single digits in the second half. That's great didn't trail at all that's that's coast to coast dominance and that's that's kind of the thing that when you think about uh, painters purdue teams of the past, even when they played really well, even when they jumped out to a big lead, you're always expecting them to Uh, give up the lead at some point or their offense to go kind of haywire. And -hmm. I think that speaks a lot to just Zach Eadie's dominance and this team's ability and willingness to give him the ball, which was Painter's entire inflection point all week. He was not happy on Monday when we talked to him. He thought his team did a really crappy job at Marquette getting Zach Eadie the ball. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can see it when they're out there. And when the kids talk about their team, like part of this confidence this team has that they shouldn't because they're so young and in theory untested is that they know they have a guy. They know they have one of the guys. And according to Kim Palm, the guy in the country. And when you have that kind of anchor down low and someone that, you know, can get you a bucket whenever you need it and is always going to be the best player on the floor. That helps you feel confident out there. And and this team, Pander talks about it after the game. It's not enough to have good game plans. It's not enough to have good players. You have to play hard. And Mm -hmm. he said anyone that had watched tape the first two tapes of the tournament, none of them came away thinking that they weren't giving everything they could on the court. And you've got Zach Eady diving at midcourt on the ground. He's seven foot four. He's big enough to be a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. launching himself on the ground, grabbing a ball, and tossing it up to Braden Smith to save a possession. That's just not usual. This team amps it up to 11 at all times, and they're skilled, and they have the best big men in the country. And as I said a couple weeks ago, if this team can defend, they're a top team, 10 team in the country. Turns out they can really defend, and they've beaten two top 10 teams in the country.
0: Yeah. and I, You talk about the ability to just go out and get a basket. And we saw that this afternoon because there was that stretch there in the middle of the second half where the only one that was really doing much of anything offensively was Caleb first. I think he had like seven straight points for us, which Caleb phenomenal tournament double,
1: double off the bench.
0: Yeah. Phenomenal tournament in his own right. And defensively we're holding on, but we're not doing a lot offensively. And uh, with seven one left, Edie scores, uh, no, not with 7-1 left. With with 6-43 left, he scores, and the lead had held at 7 there. And it was that moment. It was, I believe, right after the the media timeout. Game can go either way in that point in a 7-point game. And we got him a really good look inside, and he scored, and that was it. Game was over at that point. I mean, we didn't know that Duke was not going to score again, but (laughs) at least offensively, that just seemed to really open things up. And it, it, I mean, that's what Painter does. He looks to get an easy basket out of these media timeouts. And when you have a guy that is seven foot four and simply bigger than everybody else on the floor, it's a lot easier to go and get that basket out of a media timeout.
1: Yeah. Painter's playbook has always been, well, the last five to 10 years, pretty much ever since Shrewsbury came around, His playbook has expanded and it's gotten really good and he does a great job getting Zach Eady isolated. But none of that works unless the players are capable and willing of getting the ball inside, which is not something you see very often in college basketball. So the discipline of the team and willingness to get the ball into Eady's hands um, really showed. And then this isn't a plucky Purdue team.
0: No.
1: Purdue played Gonzaga and Duke and they were the more athletic team. Top to bottom, both teams. Mm -hmm. Duke, you could argue a little bigger on the wings, a little more athlete. But Caleb first off the bench is a problem. Big dudes like that should not move the way that he does. Um, Mason Gillis is strong and can shoot. Uh, Trey Kaufman-Wren, again, played nine minutes, but is a post problem inside. Yeah. Purdue has moves,
0: and he's not afraid to take it to the basket either.
1: Yeah. Purdue has guys, and they have guys everywhere and it's it was particularly against two teams that are guard deficient in Gonzaga and Duke Um, they didn't bring back a bunch of scoring and they had guys kind of stepping up their role this year and none of them has performed as well as Braden Smith and Fledger Lawyer
2: oh sweet
0: god Braden Smith I I love that kid
1: (laughs) it's it is a really good backcourt and just a whole bunch of Size and athleticism at the four and five spot.
0: I'm just, I, okay. I got to ask now, is this team better than last year?
1: Yes. Wow. Last year's team couldn't defend. There were, there were legit weaknesses on that team. Mm -hmm. And they were great when they got to play their style of basketball. Uh, but they couldn't impose their will the same way this team was. And to be honest, they didn't have as much will as this team does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, yeah, the less weaknesses. And this team just, whatever they lack, they make up for and just playing really hard, playing for each other, playing disciplined. So, yeah, just this team is the most complete team Matt Painter's ever had. And it's probably the best team he's ever had.
0: That's uh, that's high praise. And I think you said last week, we're not even shooting particularly well from three yet.
1: 39% from Duke. Uh, 18 three point attempts, not a ton, but I I think that's the happy balance somewhere between 15 and 20. And you hope to make somewhere between six and nine of them. Yeah. When Purdue is hot, they're definitely never losing, but uh, lawyers lawyer is going to come around. Um, Gillis has already come around. You know, he came in, Shooting one of six, and now you know just made both of his. That's the thing. Gillis started that game on fire, mm-hmm. made two threes, um, looked really good, and then just didn't play because first was playing out of his mind. So mm-hmm. you've got guys like that stepping up every week, and it changes the way Purdue can play. Um, you know, going in, Duke did one thing really well: best offense rebounding team in the country. Purdue out rebounded them. That was a flaw a week ago. Purdue got out rebounded by Marquette. So they're already learning, they're already adjusting, and they're already making something they weren't very good at a week ago a strength against the best offensive rebounding team in the country. So, all signs are pointing up.
0: Uh, I just, I, I was, I was blown away. I, I was going out there. I was hoping that we could take two games. I was like, all right, beat West Virginia. Probably lose to Gonzaga because, you know, they were, you know, the whole event was supposed to be Gonzaga and Duke in the final. And then, you know, beat Xavier or Florida or somebody in the third place game. And, you know, two and one would be great. But to go out there, win three games by double digits, and two of them over top ten teams. Oh, my goodness. goodness. And, I mean, it, this is like what they did last year with Villanova and North Carolina. You've taken out two teams that are Final Four quality, and you did it in convincing fashion. So we
1: pretty was more convincing this year than last year.
0: Agreed, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And it's uh, sky's the limit right now, man. I don't, uh, I'm looking now on the Warren Nolan site. We are uh, now the number one team in the RPI in the nation.
1: Sounds man. about right.
0: <laughs> we, it, we, and that was against the strongest, we have the strongest strength of schedule right now, too, because. You know, arguably Marquette, I think, is a tournament team. They're they're good enough to make it. Ver- West Virginia is good, a tournament team, good tournament team. Gonzaga is going to go. Duke is going to go. You've got first true road game this week at Florida State, and Florida State is struggling, yes, but they are still an ACC team. They've got athletes, they've got players, and I think realistically, you're looking at getting out of the non conference undefeated for the second straight year. And my goodness.
1: (laughs) Purdue being ranked number one is on the table again. Their schedule levels out. It's it. Like you said, it's winnable through the non con their early big 10 games are not that tough. And I mean, obviously they're going to lose some games at Mm -hmm. some point, but they just beat Gonzaga and Duke back to back that there's not a whole bunch on a schedule that can look scarier than that. And Mm -hmm. They've already proven that they're capable of doing that. I I think Big Ten tests are always different. Um, right. Games are called a little more differently. Uh, there's a familiar, familiarity between teams that allows upsets to happen a little more frequently because teams are familiar. They know what you want to get into and just the odds of playing a team more than once. So... Big Ten will be a different kind of test, um, which I think is interesting because oftentimes what happens in the Big Ten not super indicative of what happens in tournament time. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at anything that is a good indicator uh, for the NCAA tournament, it's a neutral floor tournament. That's what Purdue just excelled at. So it's early in the year, but it's exciting time to be a Boilermaker. <laughs>
0: absolutely and uh i i couldn't be proud of this team right now i i really couldn't and i i think i let the saint peter's loss sit on my head for far too long but then that marquette game happened and like you said they kind of something clicked in the second half of that marquette game and my god they have been playing they've been playing on fire since and i i want to keep that up so uh great week great great weekend and as we said, we've got a lot to look forward to this week. You're going to be in Tallahassee for us on uh, Wednesday night. Is it Wednesday night or Tuesday night?
1: Days don't even exist anymore. <laughs> I think it's the 30th, so Wednesday.
0: <laughs> okay. So uh, we'll be... Casey will be in Tallahassee Wednesday, and uh, we've got Jason and I will be in Indy on Saturday night, and it's, it's another good week, and... Uh any final thoughts you've got, Jace, before we uh sign off here. Did we lose Jace? All right, I think we lost Jace entirely because he is not responding. So mm-hmm. Casey, you got any final thoughts?
1: Nope. Uh I mean we've got high school basketball starting up now too, so stay yes. tuned for that. We'll be we'll be in tiny gyms when we're not in the big ones for the uh, next well, few months.
0: I guess I should mention that. Uh, are you planning on going to Brownsburg on Saturday? Oh yeah, Heck yeah. Uh, we'll get uh, Casey. will have a look at Jack Benter. Have a look at uh, Jalen Harlson, I believe is playing there. Um, ha- obviously, uh, Miles Colvin's in it. Flory Badunga. It's going to be a good day on Saturday. I wish I. It, it's one of those days that I wish I could be in two or three places at one time because there's a lot going on on Saturday. <laughs>
1: you, you guys have fun. <laughs>
0: Alrighty. Well, for myself and for Casey and for the Jace that has just chimed in with the, I fixed my mic. I don't know why it's like that. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this has been the boiler upload podcast and we thank you for listening and boiler up everyone.